Welcome to the Agile Strategy Lab podcast, where we explore what it means to view your organization, your company, or your community through the lens of agility to create a strategy that works in a rapidly changing world. I'm Liz Nilsson, the Associate Director of the Lab at the University of North Alabama. Today's episode, produced in partnership with the Strategic Doing Institute, is number 29. Experimentation has gotten quite the reputation, and not a good one for many of us. Dr. Frankenstein, medical research without informed consent. Even when the stakes are lower, who wants the Thanksgiving cook to experiment on the big day? On the other hand, vaccination, something we're currently paying a lot of attention to, is possible only because Edward Jenner's gardener was willing to let the doctor inject his son with what turned out to be the cure for smallpox. That experiment in 1796 made every vaccine since then possible. One of the themes that comes back again and again in our work with networks and organizations is the critical nature of embracing a spirit of experimentation. The past year has in some ways been a forced practicum in experimentation as organizations sought ways to respond to the COVID crisis. Every part of every organization has participated in this practicum, but at the heart of it all has been the human resources function. And as hard as doing things in new ways is for all of us, human resources is sometimes seen as overly concerned with risk management, not the first area you'd think of to introduce this new way to working. In this episode, we have a three-way conversation. Steve Hart and Wayne Tarkin wear several hats. They teach at the University of Pennsylvania, they work with organizations, and they coach leaders. A few weeks ago, they invited me to visit their course on Agile Management in Human Resources, as the students had read the Strategic Doing book as one of their texts. We debriefed that session on Steve and Wayne's podcast a few weeks ago, and now we've come back together to talk more about how they see strategic doing in a bigger context. We talked about the 10 skills in the book, as well as the questions that they're built around. What could we do? What should we do? What will we do? When will we come back together? What do these ideas look like in human resources specifically, now and in the future? You'll hear first from Steve and then from Wayne. Yeah, a lot of leaders are, are prefer certainty over experimentation. And I think there's a sense of, uh, uh, in our students, we, we call it playfulness because we can get away with that. But we don't use those words in the, with people that we work with in the workplace as much, although we have occasionally. But this notion of uh, uh, let, let's learn our way to success, I think, is a big part of what we try to encourage. That's sort of the essence of experimentation. That requires you to be really tuned into the moment, tuned into the, each other, yep. tuned into the leader, tuned into the culture. All of those things are present and have to be accounted for as you go through the process of implementing uh, agile work in a project. Yeah, sometimes uh, people are kind of volunteered. We use the word voluntold. I think Steve came up with that, where they're volunteered to be in a project they hadn't heard about. So we started a project where we had volunteers some months ago, and all of a sudden we call them and say, now we're starting the project now. Can you spend X amount of hours next week working on this? And so that becomes a little bit of a challenge. I think what's really helpful strategic doing is that because the uh, the practices are so simple, they're easy to implement. They're not they're easy, simple to understand. They're common sense, 
and you see results. So the big easy, I love that. You know, you can really just plot your projects on a, on a chart, uh, two by two matrix. And that's, that's a tool that I think is really easy to people, for people to kind of grasp and use with. The framing question, you know, if you have the right kind of framing question that has some energy around it and some enthusiasm around it, and it gets people in a visceral way, I think you generate a lot of interest. So you can shift this voluntold experience if people are aligned to using some of the tools, I think, to kind of generate the enthusiasm for the project. You know, it's, it's almost like music to me because, um, mm -hmm. you know, mu music is made by the sound between the notes, not the note themselves. Mm -hmm. And I feel the same thing about what could we do, what should we do, what will we do? It's not the words themselves. It's the music that takes place between each phase. And, that, and people tune into that. And it's a rhythm. It's a, uh, it's, it's a melody. Gets in, it, it's an earworm. It takes them on a journey inside of their own head and inside their own heart and brings them to a conclusion that they've participated in. And, and I think that's such a wonderful way to describe what takes place just with those three different simple phases of conversation. Right? It's, it's, it's um, almost lyrical in its impact. Yeah, the other thing that's important about it, and you said this when you visited our class, was it's the invitation to a conversation, and that's that's another important element in in the whole the whole realm of strategic doing. In my mind, is an invitation to conversation, and but that particular phase, in my mind, is is even more uh, even more so. So it's interesting to me that that you label your work as agile HR, which is is new for us to contemplate i would say i mean uh obviously everything we do is kind of people oriented but i'm 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 interested in how you came to uh sort of uh what can feel a little bit like putting two things together that don't normally go together uh and and then how that translates you know is most of your work with hr people or is it you know how does that you can blame me for that yeah. um you know, Steve and I both been in HR for many years. And, uh, you know, I was in HR for 20 years and I had a slight diversion into IT. And I saw the power of Agile to do things I hadn't really seen in HR, namely get a project done on time and be successful. And so I embarked in a journey to kind of bring that to the HR profession. It seemed to me pretty clear that this essential principles worked, break things down to small pieces, incremental letter of work, things like that. Um, the challenge is, you know, you mentioned Agile to an HR person, they typically would roll their eyes and be confused and say, well, that's, that's IT, isn't it? And that's where it started. But what we found is that if we can mimic some of the key practices that are used in IT and modify them for the business person, the non-technical person, uh, it makes sense. So we have something called ways of working, Agile ways of working. Things like how you meet, how you plan, how you communicate. We've taken those typical rituals inside an organization and we've agilized them. We've taken long meetings that never accomplish anything and make them much shorter. 15 minutes, minutes, you know, periodically, you answer three questions, you move on. Communications, we forget about those 30 page slide decks that no one ever reads. And we focus on executive summaries. Time scheduling is two to three week increments. We expect something to be done in two to three weeks. So we've, again, we've taken, um, some of the basics of agile uh, and converted them into what a practitioner, what a business person would use. And we found that it's, it's, it's better to meet people where they are. People already meet, they already plan, they already communicate. So why, you know, instead of a massive change, just tweak what they already do to be more agile-like 
to get the results. And so, again, I think because if we were in marketing, we could have approached marketing. If we were in finance, we would approach. It just happens that that's been our our sweet spot and our networks are established there. And, and um, I know I'm glutton for punishment, but you know I'm, I'm convinced that uh, this has a way to really transform the profession. So we're committed to it. I think the other part of that, though, is uh, both Wayne and I see that HR is often the naughty stepchild in an organization and not, not always included in the strategic conversation in an organization. So one of the things that we hope that we could do with our advocacy for this in an HR setting is to build up the profession a little bit, give it a more higher profile yeah. in an organization through the capability of being able to diagnose and decide what kind of projects within the HR realm of things. And there are many, and they have huge implications because they touch everybody in the organization. If you can demonstrate a capability and a competency of getting results for the organization, you can elevate the function across the board. So while we're wedded to HR because of our past experience, uh, it's not the only group that we work with, yep. but it's where the foundation of our work began. It's where we connected uh, on this work. And it's, we've, we've both uh, been in HR long enough to say it really needs some help. So we've uh, worked uh, a healthcare system in the Midwest, you know, mid-sized organization. I guess the uh, HR leader came to one of our sessions, really liked what we had to talk about, realized that, you know, the old ways of doing things in healthcare has to change, especially the COVID-19. You know, they were caught, like everybody, caught with, you know, not being ready, not being agile enough to respond. And he said, you know, we really need to do things differently. And so it was conversations with him, conversation with his number two person, just coming up with a plan. Um, we presented to his people. Again, they were a little bit um, focused on business as usual, and, and but I think by by you know experiencing the agile process, working with strategic doing kind of concepts, they really got engaged and they got a lot out of it. And we would hear them in meetings, kind of regurgitate things we had talked about a couple of weeks ago, you know, which on their own. And, and so that's why again I like strategic doing in our work because it's simple stuff that you can do if you meet differently, if you big easy these are things that can work so that was that's ongoing we're back again for round two there um and more focused on project level uh stuff but again uh that's one example where we've been successful another aspect of that liz is that um the covid crisis was really the 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 the, the part of the organization that re was most responsive to the covid crisis was hr right because you got this mass mobilization of people so when it was the financial crisis some years ago, it was the era of finance. COVID, I would say, was the era of HR leadership. So we got to know in our respective organizations how ready and how capable HR was in facilitating this lockdown environment and getting people safely into their workspaces and so on. So that's another impetus behind our work here. We see the strategic advantage of helping uh, HR leaders to cope with the crisis as it emerged. And now we're working with them as they think about going back to the workplace. So how do you use agile thinking mm -hmm. in order to get people back into the workplace? How, how should we do that? And you don't wait until the day uh, everything's over to start that. You need to be started to think about that now and assembling your attitude and your resources. And again, diagnosing and deciding what it is that you should focus on in terms of the return to work status for an organization. So 
those are the types of things. So I just it was fortuitous that the COVID crisis was really an HR moment. Yep. And uh, met, we've seen many many of the leaders that we've worked with really step up and uh, do some amazing things uh, with, uh, with with dealing with this and, and creating an environment that have maintained and sustained a healthy organization. I call it the age of experimentation. We actually, you know, we we always talked about having people remote and people poo-pooed it. Some people tried it, but all of a sudden, wow, everybody's remote. And we didn't try to get it perfect the first time. We just put everybody all outside of work and then we iterated, we fixed it as we went along, which is pure agile concept, which was a little different. So how do we how do we get those people to I, I you know, as people start thinking about you know, what's on the other side of this, you can definitely hear sort of the, the, uh, the, the voice on one side that says, great, let's close the door on that and just go back to where it was. And, um, <laughs> you know, how do you get people to, to sort of embrace, okay, that way that you thought about it, you can keep that way of thinking about it and, and, and not just say, well, you know, let's, let's dial the clock back to December, 2019. Yeah, so I, I would say that uh, I think the big thing is about uh, engagement and involvement of people. So ev everybody's lived this experience. They have visceral experiences from their own right. So now is the time to start collecting those stories about what's, how do you feel about a potential return to work? What's got to be present in the workplace for you to feel comfortable, restored at the workplace, and feeling that you can give you your best? And again, don't command and control your way out of that conversation. Don't insist on it's going to be this, 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 or this really start now to have the conversations with people in your organization. If you're going to return to work in September, as many people are in this area, uh, what, what kind of conversations do you need to have now with the people in your team in order to get them prepared and ready and engaged and offering solutions about how they'd like to see that happen? So again, we could have a framing question around that. We could do what could we do, what should we do, and ultimately what will we do around that issue. And uh, But involvement, engagement, uh, honor people for their contribution, recognizing that everybody's had a visceral experience during these months of shutdown. How do you mine it for its properties to help you build a cohesive plan that people will feel comfortable with? And I think that's a very agile-like issue. And um, start to think now about how you're going to build the plan to get back there. Just to follow up what Steve was saying, you know, that that's a big challenge. It's going to be a big issue. I'm afraid that a lot of HR leaders who aren't really as agile as they like to be are going to revert back to the old ways. The challenge is there's going to be another disruption coming along at some point, right? Hopefully it's not COVID, but you have industry evolution, you have Ubers out there and, and Airbnb is coming in almost any industry. And so there's going to be disruption and the ability of HR to be agile enough to respond to it is going to be critical. Um, technology, artificial intelligence, you know, work, um, they're all things that you know disrupt the way we're doing things, and so we we believe that agile is a way for HR. I mean, you're not you can't anticipate everything. All you can do is improve the way you respond to them, right? To those things that come up, and that's what we want. We're we're looking to increase the agility of HR to respond to known and unknown disruptions in the future. And I think um, our course, your book, really provides a good roadmap for people who are interested in that. If you start to just build new habits around these rituals that you're already doing. When it comes to implementing Agile across your organization, you already have a muscle memory around how to do these things. 
and uh, it becomes easier to implement because it's not so foreign for people to start doing things differently. So we, uh, we advocate this notion of uh, shared leadership around that model so that the leaders are doing something as well as the team is doing something to self-perpetuate and keep people engaged. But they, be, they both have independent roles, but they come together to create what we call shared leadership, which is another tenant in the book as well about having uh, that co-responsibility to co-create. It strikes me one of the other challenges right now for HR is that they're exhausted. I mean, everybody's exhausted at a certain yeah. level, but I would imagine that HR is even more exhausted than kind of the average employer in a lot of places. That's true. That's why it's, again, very important, I think, to break this down, right? So it, it, it can't be this massive boulder that's sitting in your backyard. You've got to break it down into something smaller. So what, what are the decisions you need to make around what's, what's the biggest impact right now with the easiest opportunity? So the big, easy conversation around this massive effort that we have here. What, what's the thing we can do right now that gives us the biggest impact yeah. and the least amount of effort? Let's, let's try that. Uh, rather than do the whole thing at once. Yeah, I was just going to comment on, on the Big Easy that uh, it, it is always amazing to me how counterintuitive the Big Easy is, that groups just naturally want to say, let's know the right, the right thing to do is the thing that's going to have the most impact. That's the right thing to do, you know, in all circumstances. And um, it's impossible to do then that's not going to work right so <laughs> yeah yeah but but it is such it is such an instinct of leaders i think well it's it's like a knee-jerk reaction to something yeah. right especially what you're really worried about there is, is is you're jumping right to the end again rather than thinking about the journey and um you know and and, and of course as a leader you're accountable for the, achieving the results so you want to get there as fast as you possibly can under normal circumstances. So again, slowing this down a little bit, trying to have a longer view uh, is really worthwhile. And it, it may not be that the, the thing with the biggest impact necessarily is the best thing to do right now. It really comes back to that question of, you know, is there a culture of experimentation? Yes. Because I, I think sometimes that in some environments, some organizations that, that instinct is partly driven by fear. Yes. Uh, you know, I have to, I have to do the thing that's going to have the biggest impact um, because there isn't a patience for doing anything else. Much of HR is designed to, you know, a bureaucratic means of working, right? You know, how we select people, how we incentivize people, how we manage people, you know, and that's been the challenge in the COVID environment is, you know, everything was kind of designed face to face. And now let's say we're going back to work. We want more experimentation. We don't really have the systems in place to promote experimentation. Right, and so that's another area that, um, by gradually implementing things in hours and strategic doing, I think you can kind of start that process to get people organizations to move in that direction. Thanks for listening. The book we discussed is Strategic Doing: Ten Skills for Agile Leadership, and it's available through all the usual book buying outlets and in all formats: physical books, eBooks, and recorded. If you'd like to learn more about what we do at the lab and the tools we use with organizations to bring about transformation, check out our website at agilestrategylab.org. You can email us through the website. Just look for the Contact Us button. See you next time. Mm -hmm.